the Sunday school children can go to their class if that's uh, enough of them there, or maybe not. Hallelujah. Yeah, there they go. And God bless our Sunday school teachers. Amen. We're turning to John, the 18th chapter. Anybody just excited about what God's doing in them? I'm so thankful for God's mercy. You keep your eyes on God every day, and it is an exciting journey. He does amazing things in those that will just let him be God in their lives. Amen. Sadly, what we are looking at here today for a little while is uh, what God has offered us in this great salvation so many times we get our eyes off of how how good he is and get our eyes more on what we want and we like and our dreams you know god says i'm able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you ask or think our you know proud self-centered minds sometimes think we know what's best we know what we would our dreams and hopes would be if everything would go this way and god says oh that ain't nothing i've got something so much better for you amen but you know you got to let go and you got to let god be god in your life and i want to talk about that a little bit this morning we got john 18 before we read it let's all pray and ask god to help us lord we love you we thank you lord for lord all that you're doing these great testimonies of your faithfulness god lord we love you for everything lord you have done and what you will do god we are excited about your plan god even in these last days when we are going through battles and struggles god i pray that you'll keep us focused on you help us lord i pray god you just have your way in the preaching of your word we'll give you all the glory and thanks in jesus name we pray everybody said amen john 18 verse 33 jesus is on trial can you imagine it the king of kings is now standing before a man being judged and getting ready to be executed for his supposed crimes against humanity The Bible says Pilate entered into the judgment hall there in verse 33 and called Jesus and said unto him, Art thou the king of the Jews? Jesus answered him, Sayest thou this of thyself, or did others tell it thee of me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Thine own nation and chief priests have delivered thee unto me. What hast thou done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then my servants would fight. That I should not be delivered to the Jews, but now is my kingdom not from hence. Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I'm a king. To this end was I born. And for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. Pilate saith unto him, What is truth? And when he said this, he went out again unto the Jews and said unto them, I find in him no fault at all. God bless you. You can be seated. What is truth? What a question that is in a modern day that we live in today. So often we look at the the storm that is our culture, the confusion that we see just so prevalent and and. And the question is, what is truth? Most of your universities are standing in teaching that the idea of truth is relative. That you can have 
your truth, that you can live your truth. And that word truth has been destroyed in our culture today. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. When you see the prevalence of anxiety and depression and and how internally, though we are so like the book of Revelation says of the Laodicean church, rich and increased with goods. And if you listen to what people are saying on the surface, I have need of nothing. I, I am the God of my own existence. And, but inside there's an emptiness, there's hurt, there's, there's brokenness. And the sad thing is, is when you have no real foundation of what truth is, Jesus came to a world that was in his day full of full of sin, but also full of religious hypocrisy. A lot of people that were calling themselves very righteous, but self-righteous. They were not willing to bend or to be taught or to say, okay, even God himself couldn't come and say, you know what, why don't we try it this way and see if it works? Oh, no, crucify him. What did Jesus do that was so heinous a crime that it would uh, make people want to crucify him? They didn't say, uh, lock him up somewhere, exile him, get him out of our hair. They said, kill him, murder him in the most horrific way possible, make a shame out of him by hanging him up as a public display of what we think about him telling us what truth is. The Pharisees had so much self-righteousness, they couldn't, they couldn't be a friend to the hurting person near them because it might make them look bad. The, the religious leaders of that day were never able to just, just hear anything that could say, you know what, maybe, just maybe, you're not perfect. Maybe there's something to learn. That's the danger that I see in a lot of what Christianity has become today this denominational idea that it's kind of an us and them and and uh, you kind of sign up for a flavor of being a Christian and you learn their statement of faith and then you've got it but listen knowing Jesus is a relationship that continually grows and you need to be in a place where you can't win debates, but you can be humble and be able to let God just lead you day by day, one step at a time and, and show you truth. Right. A lot of folks, it's very, very difficult to hear truth because they are threatened to, to be able to hear. I, I might not be perfect. I have things to learn. I have room to grow. You have to be able to be corrected and instructed. The Bible talks about. It uh, it doesn't surprise me, but it I have to say it does does disturb me. I'm very familiar with just uh, not only where this nation is and as a whole of uh, of of calling itself Christian, but I've been around long enough now that I can join the the chorus of voices that say I, I see a trend, a direction. And it's not good. Now, there are I'm going to use some terms here that people have used to identify just portions of what is considered Christianity, because there are a large there's a large percentage of people that are in church this morning, preachers that are standing before large congregations, 
part of large denominations. And there is uh, no mistake about it. They don't believe the Bible is God's word. They don't claim to believe it to be God's word or to proclaim it. They believe that it contains some principles that we can learn. They do not believe that Jesus was who he said he was. God manifested in the flesh. God with us, it says, Emmanuel. And that the virgin birth and the miracles of Jesus. Many, many denominations calling themselves Christian are... uh, are very liberal in the idea that the Bible is a framework, but not necessarily truth. Um, very sad, very sad to proclaim a fo- be a follower of Christ. But then again, we have that self worship that says, "I will pick and choose what what this good teacher says, and I will make the final decision." On what I like and what I don't like. Amen. There are other very large denominations that, that will call the Bible the word of God, but they will say their church leadership, their priests or their pope will, will supersede the word of God. And that we can have edicts and, and even some denominations votes year by year to say, will we continue to believe what we've always said? That's just what the Bible says. Or will we just throw that out? And then if a preacher, a pastor of a local assembly says, hey, wait a minute, this is what we've always said is, is the Bible. We've stood on it. We've, we've preached it from our pulpits. We've defended it. And now you're saying, uh, we don't believe that anymore. I, I can't do that. And hey, guess what? You need to find a job. Yeah. We voted to put this in our statement of faith this year. People ask me a lot of times, I've had people not show up because they said, can you send me your statement of faith? I said, well, uh, I've got a book that I can recommend that contains what we believe. And if you've got specific questions about what you read in that book, and, and of course it's the Bible. And if you have a question about that, I've had people ask me, well, what kind of Christian are you? And I think in my mind, you want a word so that you can judge me about bad experiences you've had with people that might kind of sort of say that, that they are. And I say, you know what? Just get to know me. My name's yeah. Melvin. And you can get to know me and ask me any questions that you want about my relationship with Jesus or what I know the Bible to teach. Yeah. But there has always been what has been called uh, evangelical. And that is uh, a portion of what is considered Christianity. There's been a time I, I've thought about doing this recently. I haven't done it for a long time, bringing that whiteboard up and just kind of making a, a map of, of just uh, how we got where we are today and how many different subsets of what's called Christianity really don't believe the Bible is the word of God, don't believe in uh the divinity of Christ or the miracles for today. And, and you can get down to people that say, well, I really do believe the Bible and I am uh, a strong believer in the Bible. Well, what about, uh, what about the, the Holy ghost and the moving of the spirit? Well, we believe the Bible. We just don't believe some of it's for us. (laughs) So again, we're making decisions based on what we like or what we don't like, but it's been kind of a broad used term of evangelical to say, hey, we believe the Bible is the word of God, the authority of the church, and that we believe that it's very important to have 
a relationship with Jesus, who is God with us, Emmanuel, and that, that he is the plan of salvation and there's no other. And, and, uh, and these are very basic tenets that we should, uh, understand that that gift is not of our own works, but it is a, a gift of God and that, uh, we should take every chance we get to tell other people, hey, this is the way of salvation. So that's a, a kind of a general idea of just, Maybe some bare minimum in some people's eyes of what it takes to actually be called a Christian. Because some people are saying, how can you be a follower of Christ if, if you don't really believe what he said about himself? And, uh, but just here very, very recently, there's been a survey, and it was only given to those that were considered this term evangelical. That has historically meant, Bible's our authority, Jesus is our salvation, Amen. And, uh, and everything that is entailed in that. The, the survey in this nation, almost one third, this is not just somebody that says they're a Christian. Because truthfully, like I said, many of you probably, maybe you're not familiar with what might be, uh, considered a lot of denominations that make no bones about it. They're not, they're not saying that Jesus is the only way. They're not saying that He is our salvation. They're not saying, they don't believe in a, in an original sin where we are born and need a savior. But this was given to those that are supposed to be of that part of, of what is considered Christian. One third, 30%, almost one third, believe that today in America, Jesus is a great teacher, but not God, not divine. Almost half believe that the spirit of God is not God himself that indwells a believer, but is like a force. An impersonal force of nature. Half of evangelicals surveyed, almost. This is the one that's most troubling. I'm going to, well, let me move on. I'm going to save this for last. Almost half believe most people are born good. That means the cross, the sa- a savior. We're, we have a good nature and that we just need a little help from God. Not what the Bible says. We've all sinned. Come short of the glory of God. There's not one righteous. No, not one. About one-tenth, a little bit more than one-tenth, really believe that uh, homosexual behavior and what the Bible says about it doesn't apply today. That's changed. What the Bible now, now get this. My point is not so much about the distinction of sin, but that they would say that what the Bible says does not apply today. That's a big statement. Who is the one that can stand up and say, I made a decision. What God said is not for today. That's where I think people really get off track. Almost a quarter believe that faith, religious belief, is a matter of personal opinion and there is no objective truth. Now, I believe this in liberal universities, but an evangelical Christian that calls himself a follower of Christ saying, you know what, what we believe about a Christian walk is really up to our own personal opinion rather than objective truth, the word of God. More than one in three, 39%. Think that, you know, worshiping alone or with a family is a valid replacement for regularly attending church. While more than one in four, 26%, believe churches must provide entertaining worship if they want to be effective. Again, do you see what's convenient for me? What do I want? Nobody saying, hey, wait a minute. Let's 
let's search the scriptures. Let's pray and find out what God really likes and what God really wants. That is so foreign to so many calling themselves Christians. Wait a minute. In all the things you've chosen today, where you worship, how you worship, why you worship, have you considered what God likes? What do you mean? God just, I'm going to do whatever I feel. And God accepts that because he loves me so much. I can show you from the book of Genesis where there is a man who comes to God worshiping him. And God shows no respect to his sacrifice. He, he was worshiping his way with his best. But worship is an expression of love that says, God, your way. I'm going to bring to you what you like. I'm going to prepare for you what you enjoy. Not, not bring to you what I like. Help us, God. More than one in third, three, 39% believe a prosperity gospel. And claim God will always reward true faith with material blessings in this life. I want to just say briefly, when I, when I just see a little bit, I was having a conversation with a brother this week about it, when I just see a little bit online of, of some of these men that, that are multimillionaires with mansions and not a jet, but jets sometimes. Right. And I think, how, does, how do they get two people to walk through the door? Yeah. I can't see that this is a problem. This is, this is, this is not the Bible. Amen. Do I believe God blesses? Do I God believe God meets needs? Do I believe God pours it out from heaven? Yes, yes, yes. And absolutely. Yes. But when you have very obvious manipulation, very obvious self exaltation, amen. And, and believe that you are some kind of, uh, of great person and, and, uh, Live beyond royalty. God help us. God help us. Amen. It, it breaks my heart to think that people are so so blind. Almost one in five. This is what I kind of skipped. One, almost one in five. Believe that God's spirit, the Holy Spirit, can tell me to do something which is forbidden in the Bible. Wow. I think that's a low percentage, to be honest with you. Yeah. Because I think in the wording of that, I think more people might say, oh, no, no, I believe the Bible. But then you will look at their lives and ask them, does God lead you? Do you pray about your decisions? Do you believe God? The Bible says, uh, uh, blessed are the, uh, the, that, this, that the children of God are led by the Spirit of God. Do you, oh, yes, yes, absolutely. Then why would you do something so opposite of his teaching? Why would you purposely live in a life that is against? See, I've heard it, and I, I don't know that exactly they mean it just this way, but I, I find it so telling when you try to share with somebody, witness to somebody, invite somebody. Sometimes they'll say, well, no, 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 I have my religion. And I think, what's your religion called? How, many, how, how often do they have services for you in your religion? Because it sounds like they've got their, I've got my own religion. I, wow, that, how's that working for you? But, uh, but the fact is, that's what a lot of people are living today, their religion. Because when you get down to, well, let's see what Jesus said about it. Christian, Christ-like follower of Christ, what did Jesus really say about it? Oh, no, we're not, uh, that, I'm not I don't want to argue over the Bible. Well, what you're doing is you're inserting in what's called, you're saying as a follower of Jesus, but you're following your own desires. You're living your way. In what you want God to be, the God that I serve would, the God you serve. Is this the God of the Bible? Because we can find out 
what he likes. And if you do take a little bit more time to to read some of your favorite verses in context, you'll find out he doesn't like some things. That there are things that were very religious but not accepted by God. Bible talks about the woman at the well and the Samaritans and Jesus starts to talk to her and she has had a rough life and has made a lot of bad decisions apparently. And she starts talking about the religion of her, her, her people and, and where she, her family. And he said, the Samaritans are worshipers. Sure. But they, they worship what they know not. There's ignorance in their worship. You, Matthew, the seventh chapter, Matthew seven, Jesus is speaking. And he's talking to, uh, uh, in that day, in that age, of a people that are very familiar with religion, with the religious leaders of that day, but they are so separated from truth. The Romans, as we read, as you turn there, Romans, uh, uh, Pilate was... The, the Rome was full. You to this day you can see the temples of, and the, the, the statues of their gods and the, the many festivals and the, the many ways that they worship their gods. And, and when Jesus said, I came to dispel all the myths and the mythology, which is what we call Roman religion these days. Mythology. Zeus. And Hades and Poseidon and the Greeks that with their great wisdom of Plato and Aristotle and Socrates, but yet the mythology of all their worship. And Jesus said, I came to tell you the truth. I came to tell you the truth. Jesus said in Matthew 7, verse 24, therefore, this is the end of the Sermon on the Mount, three chapters of truth, three chapters of what it says, what, what God says about, about loving your neighbor and about not, not committing adultery or, or committing murder and, and what that means to a child of God in their heart about lust and hate and anger and, and how, to, how to be fair and how to be righteous. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them. I'm a good person. Have you heard what Jesus said? Do you do that? I go to church. Do you hear what Jesus teaches you about your life, about your home, about your your purpose and about your future? Do you do it? I'm a good person. Jesus said, he that heareth my words and doeth them. I'll tell you what he's like. I will liken him unto a wise man. He's painting a picture now. He's telling a parable to kind of illustrate in your mind a man that is building a house. But this man has taken some extra care to make sure his foundation is on something solid. The question has always been not that how's, how's your house building going? How's your life building going by the decisions, decisions you're making? But how will it endure Hard times. Oh, you've got friends that you have fun with. Where will they be when the storm comes? Oh, I have a lot of fun and I, 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 I've got some things that, that I feel like are very important. What's it going to matter when the storm comes? I, I tell you, I've got some principles that are so important. What 
is it going to be worth when things, when, when trials and troubles come? See, the Bible says a man that is a wise man, he's going to look ahead. And the best thing he can do is have a foundation that's going to stand, not today. It's kind of like the, the young man with a job and plenty of overtime. And so we're going to build up plenty of debt and plenty of bills because, hey, we got a lot of, don't build it on overtime. Might not be there all the time. Be sure you have something stable and solid for when, when things get difficult. I know a lot of people, Christians, they'll say, oh, I know God's going to take care of me. Recklessness is not faith. Irresponsibility is not faith. Preparing yourself, knowing that I want to be somebody that can help others that were reckless is faith. He says, you want to see a wise man? He builds his house on the rock. Who's the one that builds their house on the rock? The rains descend, the floods came, the winds blew, beat upon that house. It fell not because it was founded upon a rock. That's somebody that is not based on relativism of my opinion of what I think or feel. And that's my truth. But somebody who says, God, this is an eternal principle. This is your word. This is truth. I'm going to live on this rock. I'm going to do it. Whether it's convenient for me, it's the rock. Amen. Whether it's there's, there's always going to be options that are going to be easier or more fun, but you know what? Responsible people are going to say, I'm going to make the wisest decision. Wisdom maybe is portrayed as somebody who's a, just a, uh, a joy killer and, and somebody doesn't know how to have, no, 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 be, be wise and be able to have a life that is built on truth. The Bible says somebody that hears God's words, hears the teachings of Jesus, everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not. We're not talking about complete ignorance. Talking about somebody that's got an opportunity, somebody that's heard this and they know better. But they're saying it's going to be all right. God loves me just as much as anybody. I know what the Bible says, but I feel like God's leading me a different way. Mm. Foolish. Foolish man builds his house upon the sand. And sometimes you can feel like you're getting away with things. Sometimes you can feel like I'm, I'm, I'm okay and God's giving his stamp of approval. There's a, a Bible verse that is, haunts people sometimes because it says this truth. It says just because sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily, men's hearts are set in them to do wickedly. It means that God's judgment, God's so good, and he's patient, and he's merciful, and he doesn't just, just bring things down immediately, but he'll, he'll knock at your heart's door and say, come on, you, can, you know there's better. You know that's not so smart. You know there's wisdom here. You know that my way is going to turn out better after all. You might have to press on through some adversity, and you might not like it, so it might not be convenient or what you want, but you're going to be so much better off if you just build on the rock. And you say, I will, I will, I'm gonna, I'm, I got good intentions. Uh, it's not a Bible verse, but grandma was right. The road to hell's paved with them. Yeah. Amen. Good intentions. You can have good intentions all the way the wrong direction and to convince yourself, I'm gonna get right, I'm gonna be right, I, I know what's best, and I'm just gonna do this right now. And the Bible says that a foolish man builds his house on the rock and and because God's sentence on those things isn't executed, he's not looking to judge you. He's not looking to condemn you. He wants to save you and he's patient with you. But 
when you continuously make decisions that are foolish, you're heading in a direction. And it's not God's fault when you end up in a place that you'd rather not be in your life. You have to take that extra time to build on the rock. That means hearing what God has to say about it. Pray about it. Read the Word of God. Study it. Find out what the Bible says. And start building your life there. You'll find something. You know, as a child of God, you and I both, we have trials and troubles. We have things we get upset and angry about, frustrated. Frustrated and angry. I almost put that together and said, for angry. I might, I might start using that. No, better not. But you might get frustrated and angry. And, but having a peace in your heart, knowing that no matter how this turns out, I've, I've got God. and I've got, I've got his blessings. It's worth it. The rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house and fell. And great was the fall of it. Galatians 1. Galatians 1. This is not... Pastor Flosser's idea of what's wrong with the world and venting and, and just uh, ranting about how things are just so... No, this is, this is the, the warning that the Bible gives us. Paul looked at those in Galatia and said, I marvel. Galatians 1.6. I marvel. I'm so shocked. You guys were doing so good. You started off so good. But I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into this grace of Christ unto another gospel. What? Oh, look at that. Truth means that there's more than one gospel. No, there's truth, God, true gospel and false gospel. You've been so easily, so soon removed. How are people calling themselves Christians removed from the gospel of Christ to another gospel? They are deceived by not seeking truth. They're seeking validation of what they like and what they want. False religion will do that. False religion will appeal to your pride, will appeal to your own desires and say, oh, you can have sin and you'll be all right. God's mercy. It's just, you know, everybody sins all the time. You know, it's not that big of a deal. What the Bible says, shall we sin that grace may abound? God forbid. Bible talks in Jude about turning the grace of God into lasciviousness. But when a preacher tells us what we, people say, how do I've had people ask the question, how do they miss so clear of doctrine, so clear of teaching in the Bible and just don't even want to look at it, don't even want to hear it? They're convinced it's wrong. People looking at the truth that's just black and white in the Bible say, that's the devil. That's evil. We don't believe that anymore today. How do they do that? Because somebody came along and told them what they wanted to hear, what was easy for them, and they latched on that and said, I love that. Sadly, in 2 Thessalonians, talks about the last days and says people that receive not the love of the truth. And they believe a lie. The Bible says this other gospel, this, this other gospel that they were called to, verse 7 says, which is not another, but there are some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel. So he's saying there's not another gospel. There's not like a, a, a choice you can have. Do you want the premium gospel or for a little less of your life that you can dedicate to God? We can give you a modified gospel. You can have a little bit of your life. You won't have so many benefits. You might struggle a little bit. But with this plan, you'll still be able to have some of your pet sins. Hello? So how some people look at church. 
I, I don't want the premium plan. I don't want to give all my dedication to God. I still like some things about living for me and living my way. And, and that's okay. We're going to make you feel just as comfortable and secure in that because you have a, a, a confession of your faith. You can hold on to your, your little sins and, and God's not going to, we're not going to bother you about that anymore. It's not another gospel. It's a perversion of the gospel. Well, that's what Galatians says. I'm not, that's not my words. But he said, though we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than what we have preached you. Let him be accursed. Acts, the 18th chapter. Acts 18. The church is just starting out, really. Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection has made a way for, for that holy of holies, that experience of a personal walk with God, now to be wide open for whosoever will. The church is growing and telling people that there is a Savior that you can turn your life over to, and, and Jesus is the answer, and it's not in, in keeping commandments or trying to be better. than what It's in, it's in a savior, savior, and it's in Jesus. The Bible says in Acts 18, verse 24, there was a certain Jew named Apollos born in Alex, at Alexandria. Now, that's uh, a, a center of, of modern, of that day, modern wisdom and philosophy. And, and he was an eloquent man. This man, Apollos, was a man that could speak well. He was a man that could keep your attention. And it says he was mighty in the scriptures. That's, that's great. As far as I can tell in the Bible, he knew uh, he, he stayed in the word of God. He didn't just tell a lot of neat stories and keep people's attention, but he had some strength in understanding the Bible. The Bible says here that he taught diligently the things of the Lord. He had his heart in this. He was working hard to teach people about the Lord. But the Bible says he only knew the baptism of John. He came up. Somehow in some of John's as one of John's disciples or or connected with that group of those that came before John. And it's interesting to me because John kept talking about how Jesus was going to be crucified. He's going to be lifted up and and all men would be drawn unto him. He's got to increase. I've got to decrease. John would say. And John said, he's coming to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. And, and he he was prophesying of the ministry of Jesus and continuously pointed people to him. But somewhere along the line, Apollos, in all his strengths, didn't really have, he was missing in his faith the next chapter. He was doing good up to a point, but he needed somebody to say, hey, wait a minute, everything John said, it happened. It happened. He was, he, he did get lifted up on the cross. He did shed his blood for our sins. He was buried and rose again. And now, praise God, that, that there is a gospel of following Jesus. And the Bible says that he was speaking boldly in a synagogue and a man and woman named Aquila and Priscilla heard him. And they took unto him, took him unto them and expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly. You'll hear me reference this scripture fairly often because to me, it's just a beautiful thing as a Bible teacher, as a preacher. That there's somebody that's got to walk with God. Somebody that apparently knows some Bible, has some gifts from God, but they recognize. It's not only that he, he just needed some teaching. He needed some help. Right. 
But the exciting thing about it was he did not have two enemies that day. He had two friends. What do you mean? Somebody came. Do you realize the audacity of these two people? I've been doing things for God for how long now? They want to come and try to teach me. It was not his attitude. Did you hear what they said? They think I'm going to hell. They think I'm wrong. They, 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 they hate me. No. They're your friends. And Apollos received them as such. He didn't attack them. You see kind of this dynamic in the Old Testament a lot. You see these kings. You know, a king can make his own decisions. A king's not under a lot of pressure to, to uh, just be a part of some other popular opinion. I guess in some ways they are, but, but they do have the authority to just, if a preacher comes in and says, hey, I was praying for you. Here's what God wants you to do. They can say, yeah, I don't think so. You know, take him out and separate his head from his shoulders. <laughs> and nobody's going to question a king. You know, we kind of have the ability, not so much to decapitate folks we don't like, but we do have the ability to just reject completely and make our own decisions, and rightfully so. But every now and then you'll see somebody like David where the prophet says, you know, you're the sinner I'm talking about, my little story that I've presented to you. You're the one who failed. And somebody says, I have the authority to send you to a dungeon or send you to an execution. But thank you for telling me the truth. And thank you for being my friend. And help me get right. Help me. You told me the truth. Aquila and Priscilla came to Apollos and all they did was offer him truth. And the Bible tells us that we can see actually throughout the book of Acts and into the letters, the epistles of Paul, that Apollos received that and was better for it. I want to talk to Christians today. We can, we can get angry at the culture. We can angry at the politicians. We can get angry, and rightfully so. I understand that. But, but judgment has to begin with us. If we're not willing to take a look at ourselves and say, God, you teach me, you lead me. If there's something in me that needs to be better, it needs to be right, humble yourself. And be able to be taught. Don't think you're past just being able to say, God, if this is, if this is what truth is, God, I'll, I want to be walking in truth. I never as a pastor, I, I never as a pastor want to get past a time that, that somebody can say, hey, let me, let's look at this again. Let's look at this a little closer. Have the attitudes of two, like, who do you think you are? None of us should be like that. What are we talking about, though? Let's look a little bit closer as we close here. Look a little bit closer at this Apollos and this idea of knowing only the baptism of John. So many different applications, and I pray God's Spirit can just speak to each one of us. Give us an attitude that says, here I am, Lord. Teach me. Lead me. Show me what you would have me to do. While I'm looking around my community, while I'm looking around at maybe those that I see calling themselves Christians and say, how do they get off being that way when Jesus said this? God, let me look in the mirror first. Let me be able to take the beam out of my own eye first before I, I point that finger. Because Jesus promised the same measure that you meet out in judgment is the kind of judgment you'll receive. Amen. Paul met some folks that were really kind of sort of like Apollos in a way. Acts 19, verse 1. Again, 
I not only want to look at the message that Paul is delivering to them, but I want to, you to see the teachableness, the humility of these people that Paul meets here. Acts 19, verse 1, it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus, finding certain disciples. I don't think you can just pass over that word disciples lightly. That tells me something about them. The Bible doesn't say they were fake, phony. He doesn't say uh, have air quotes around disciples. These were people who had dedicated their life to learning the teachings of Jesus. It was more than just religion. It was more than just a brand of what they were uh, had, but they were willing to move forward in the teaching that they had already received. That says a lot. I'm going to tell you, you, I think some of you understand. If you've ever tried to witness to someone who professes to be a Christian and just say, hey, well, let's talk about the Bible. No, I'm, I'm not arguing. I'm not debating. Let's just... Look at the word of God. Maybe, maybe you're a part of a church that says they're real and right, but let's look at some of the things that are going on. Maybe you call yourself evangelical, but how much is, how much is taught that is scripture, the words of Jesus? Are you constantly caught up in in, in, in social issues and you've forgotten the gospel that saves people? Or have, you, have you gotten so caught up in, in the latest trends that are coming across? I'm telling you, churches more than ever just caught up in, in, the, in the newest trend of what is cool that rather than setting the pace and saying, hey, here's a way, walk in this. Here's the truth. We're not trying to figure out which way the winds are blowing in this culture and try to be relevant. We're trying to bring people to Jesus. He looks at these folks here, these disciples, and asks them, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Not, hey, if you're a believer, I already know something about you. You have it. There's a baptism of the Holy Ghost available for you. I want to talk about that tonight, Lord willing, a little bit more in detail. But... He said, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe? He, he, he realized they, I think he kind of might have thought, maybe these are some of John's disciples. We've been running into some of them. I heard about Apollos, you know, maybe, maybe they don't know that the Holy Ghost has been poured out. Okay. Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe? They said, we, we don't know. We didn't know there was one. We have not even heard whether there be any Holy Ghost, which is odd because they were familiar, familiar with John's message. And he said, he's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost in fire. So where that got lost in translation, I don't know. But he asked them, what do you believe? Christianity has been very particular about who they judge and condemn. Well, you know, the Jehovah Witnesses, they don't believe in a Jesus that is divine. They they kind of believe in a in a demi-God kind of created being that's kind of sort of a maybe an archangel type experience. So we don't believe that. Why not? Why can't they believe that? It's not Bible. Okay. Is that your standard for everybody? What about a, a Mormon that believes that Jesus is kind of an elevated being? He was, uh, you know, soul brother of, of Lucifer, and now he's got a wife and has children in this planet, and we're all going to be gods just like him. Oh, what? What? That's, what? Are you serious? No. Why not? It's not the Bible. 
What about, what about the things in your life that, that should, in, a fa- in fact, that Jesus has, has referred to your character, your, your principles of, uh, of what it means to be a Christian? Don't you judge me. <laughs> you mean like you said about those other folks? I mean, just want to help you see, you know, that's what Paul was able to do. Have you received the Holy Ghost? It's important, obviously. Well, we didn't know about it. Well, how were you baptized? How were you baptized? So, so much, so many that have, have gone long past the baptism experience and have lived for God, but never really went back and examined and say, hey, wait a minute, did I, get, did I get that right? Did I do that right? What about this Holy Ghost experience? I, I kind of visited that for a while and, and nothing really happened. And, and now did, Paul takes them right back. So let's, let's just go back to some things that are, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe? No, I don't, I don't think so. How were you baptized? Under John's baptism? Paul verily Paul said John verily baptized the baptism of repentance. It was good for its time, saying unto the people that they should believe on him, which should come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Matthew 28, 19 says in the name of the Father, the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Not names, not repeating this formula as titles, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. I've got a name. I am a father, but I've got a name. I am the son of my parents, but I have a name. I am a human being with a human spirit, and I, but I have a name. He said they were, they were, Paul was not coming against what Jesus said. He was fulfilling it. Just like if I would say, tell me, tell me your name and you repeat your name. Did I say it the way you said it? Sure. No, I'm asking you to fulfill it. Obey it. Your name, your proper name. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord. That's power. That's authority. That's authority. I can't sign a check and say, I'm a father. That's important to me, but it's not the authority. I'm a son and I can't put that. I can't endorse a check with son or human being. But when I put my name on it, that gives it value. These believers, these disciples, because he said, have you received the whole since you believe? So they were believers. He took them back and rebaptized them properly in that name of Jesus Christ. Just like in Acts 10, just like in Acts 8, just like Jesus told them to do over and over and over again. Paul laid his hands upon them. The Holy Ghost came on them and they spake with tongues and prophesied. Listen to me today. I'm not interested in the surveys of uh, uh, and trying to change what we teach so that somebody can feel a little more at home. And I want to just bear witness to the truth. I want to stand for that truth. The Bible says, buy the truth and sell it not. We are living in a dangerous day. I know a lot of us are maybe are sheltered from it and we don't think it's, uh, it's happening, but, but so many. And now, listen, now more than ever, there's always, I can't say always, but the influence of, uh, of the radio preachers and the televangelists that have come across. But now with the internet, there's a dime a dozen people just putting out gospel after gospel. Stay with the word. Stay with the word. Let there be truth. Let people be, but let what they're teaching is be determined by God's word. It's not just what anybody says. It's not what anybody feels. It's not insincerity. It's got to be truth. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I appreciate in this day, 
It is so odd, really, that the principle, the idea of there being truth, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, that his words are will teach us and lead us in truth, and that we surrender to him. It's humbling to come to a time in your life and you say, you know what? Sometimes I can be my own worst enemy. Sometimes I've made decisions based on what was easy for me, convenient for me, what I wanted. And it, I was that foolish man that built his house on the sand. I was that one that followed religious speakers that weren't shepherds, they were hirelings, told me what I wanted to hear, told me what I was comfortable with, and I, I've made mistakes, but today I'm willing to say, God, search me, show me, Lord, your will, your way. Everything that says, Lord, Lord, it's not going to enter in. I'm not here to condemn a denomination to condemn a preacher. Paul said, if we are an angel from heaven, come preach another gospel. Let it be a curse. Let their, their liars. God's word is true. I, I don't ever want to be the authority in my salvation. I want to follow Jesus pressures that sometimes are placed on ministry to please people and to conform to what is acceptable to them, their family. Surprising how how often that pressure is put on the pulpit to preach or not preach certain things, to try to to please people. But listen, if I'm going to be your friend, I'm going to tell you the truth. Jesus' word, this this Bible is the truth. Don't be ashamed. Don't feel like you're going backwards, but just look at your life and be be able to be say, Lord. Even it's as basic as my baptism, my salvation, my 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 some of the things maybe I've I've had it in my life forever, but God's talking to me. I see it in His Word. This isn't Christian. This isn't Christian behavior. I'm willing to surrender. I'm willing to, to walk in truth. The Bible talks about he that doeth truth. I love that. Because truth is more than something you believe. You've got to do it. Come on, let's all find a place to pray. God's speaking to us today. God's helping us see that It's not religion. It's not man-made denomination or an organization. I must be Truth, God. Show me the truth. Religious abuses. Be 
People trying to become celebrities in the name of Jesus. People trying to oppress people because of their own ideas. Please understand Jesus. It's better than that. That's not a representative of him. That's not a representative of his truth. People that are trying to become rich in the name of Jesus. People that are trying to gain followers for the, by the name of Jesus. Listen, that's not what his kingdom is about. You've gone to churches where it's just a show. It's just an obvious production. It's not what Jesus is about. He wants to help you have a life that is transformed. Turn to him. Turn to him. The Bible calls it repentance, where you turn away from an old life and turn to Jesus. It's not about joining a church. It's not about some kind of man-made process. It's about turning to God. Put your confidence in Jesus and what he has done. Follow him. Turn away from this world and the sins of this world. Let him give you a new heart. up on the day of Pentecost and told them when they said, what should we do? What must we do? He said, repent of your sins. Be sorry for them. Have a turn around. Turn away and turn toward God. Be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. That they would be blotted out. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. This promise, this promise of the Holy Ghost is for you it's for your children. It's to all that are far off, as many as the Lord our God shall call. That's the truth. That's the truth. Above all else, I must be Help us not to trust in our own will, our own ways. Help us, Lord, to surrender to you and to follow you. God's Spirit will not lead you to do something contrary to the Bible. God's not going to guide you in your will because that's what you want. He's going to show you the truth. And it may cost you, but he said, buy the truth and sell it not, because your life will be built on a rock, the solid foundation of truth. Let's all stand. God, thank you again. Your word is amazing, God. You've done so much to just help us, to save us, to direct us. God, we ask you please to just... Lord, guide us in your truth. Talk to us. Help us to healed ourselves, humble ourselves fully that you would lead us to build our lives on the rock. God, bless your people now, I pray. God, keep us in your care. God, keep us safe as we travel. Bless the service tonight, Lord. Be with those that are sick today, God. We miss them. And God, just 
We want your will to be done in our lives. We love you. We thank you. We ask it all in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, church.